Woman is a podcast about, you guessed it, women in LA cultivating successful lives for themselves in the grind of traffic and under the palm trees. LA is, without question, one of the world's major cultural hubs and trendsetters, and every woman here has a story to tell. Whether in work, relationships, family, friends, personal growth, finding people who get you, the list goes on. And unless you're living under a rock, it's hard to ignore that this is a really exciting time for women and their perspectives. So let's put some stories out there of women we know in LA who are building big things, and maybe you'll take away some advice, or at the very least, a good story. I'm your host, Julie Roth. I've lived in LA for eight years. It's been a crazy ride to get to where I am today, and I'm currently living in beautiful Venice Beach. Today's guest is Ashley Merrill, founder and CEO of Lumia, the tech-driven sleepwear that's become an industry leader through innovative fabrics and designs. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Refinery29, among others, Lunia is changing the way women go to bed with their line of active sleepwear and signature washable silk pajamas, which are amazing, by the way. Since 2012, Ashley has been building her product line, her brand, her team, and so much more. Lunia's products speak for themselves, so Ashley and I discussed how things work behind the scenes, like how to scale a team, build company culture, how women can change the way they think about their businesses, and of course, how important sleep really is. Ashley is a hustler with heart who's passionate about not only her growing company and family, but in knowing Lunia is, as they say, good in bed. Here's Ashley. You know, one of the things that's so funny is that um, I never saw us as an L.A. brand because I don't see myself as an L.A. person. Uh, But I have since learned that this is an L.A. brand and I am an L.A. person, which is so funny because I've hired a lot of people that are from, you know, various other states and uh, and they're always pointing it out. And then even when I go to New York, which there's a lot of interchange between New York and L.A., uh, I realize that it just reaffirms for me exactly how L.A. I am. Um, but I think the sensibility of ease and comfort being a real priority is a very um, Los Angeles way of living, right? We, we dress much more casual than a lot of the other states. Um, and I think some of that has to do with, you know, we're very fitness active oriented. Uh, we can be outside a lot of the time. So you're sort of always in some version of coming and going out of your house versus, you know, being indoors sort of uh, for a lot of your entertainment. Um, and so I think that that um, casual comfort aspect uh, has certainly seeped through into the clothing. Um, and then I think from a culture standpoint, um, you know, when people are working at Lunia, um, I think that there's a real creativity going on in LA that, and, and a lot of places have a lot of creativity, but I, I see it, uh, there's, a, there's a certain um, blend of technology and art that I see that happens here a lot and I think that we benefit from that both on our creative resources and the technology people that we're able to bring on. I mean talking about art and technology I mean you it's clear that your product line has a lot of those elements in it too Um, so you know Lunia is really active sleepwear right right so we we sometimes joke and call it inactive wear (laughs) but but absolutely right it's it's uh there's a way of you know, we don't view sleep as this passive thing, right? We're, we're saying it's this, it's an incredibly active time for your body. Your body's cleaning itself up and, and doing a lot of repair work. It's restoring memories. It's doing a lot of things that it needs to do to prepare you to have a great day. And so um, 
we think that the the function of the clothes and that's not just you know we use a lot of technical fabric and um, functional design those are all important elements of it it's it's as important as you'd view it for athletic wear you know it's it comes without saying that you'd assume that you don't want um, you know that you might want support when you're running but I think like equally so you don't want your straps to twist and your shorts to ride up when you're sleeping you know I mean sometimes I'll like wake up with my shirt off I mean right and I don't remember <laughs> taking it off that's happened to be a lot of that. Or it's like there's like a trail going to the bed of like the clothes that you're like discarding as you yeah yes I'm hot and well, I don't realize that I'm that's not the thing. like my temperature's not being regulated and your your temperature cycles throughout the night so you know that's a natural thing that happens um, but keeping cool is one of the most common uh, things that I hear from people you know saying that that temperature maintenance is something everybody's really after yes totally yeah yeah so. Oh, so well, speaking of the product line, so I've heard before about why you decided you decided to start Lunia, but sure. when did you know? Yeah, I really have something here. Yeah, so um, it, it's it's funny because I, you know, I started Lunia based on personal experience. So uh, I was in my house. I walked past a mirror. I'm wearing my husband's old boxer briefs and his his old shirt. I, I think it was like a old frat shirt or something so clearly a very attractive outfit and um and I kind of caught my own reflection and thought like there's got to be something better than this you know in the pursuit of being comfortable I'm clearly just like you know letting the wheels fall off so that kind of that experience happened long before I actually even started working on Lunia and that's because like everybody or like most people I should say um, I had a voice in my head that told me that I shouldn't do it. You know, oh, that's a silly idea. That'll never work. You have no experience making clothes, you know, all, all this kind of thing. Um, and so it ha- was a process for me to get to the place where I thought, uh, yes, I'm going to do this. And then a whole nother process for me to get to the place where I was willing to tell the world that I was ready to do it. Um, but the thing that really kicked me in, the thing that made me go, yes, I'm going to do this. Uh, was actually the thing that I had thought was going to keep me from doing it. So um, I started school September 2012, um, and I got pregnant in September 2012. And that created this very interesting moment for me where I realized, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do this because I'm never going to have more time, more flexibility. and. What it did for me is it actually shifted the risk equation, which was before the risk was failure. And that felt scary. Obviously, I didn't want to fail. Um, but then the risk became, I don't want to tell my kids that I never did the things that I thought I was capable of. That felt worse. And so that was all I really needed. So Lunia actually, I started working on Lunia and began publicly telling people I was working on Lunia October 2012 that same year and so uh, I actually have to credit that a lot to having kids you know or to, to realizing I'm pregnant with them. Wow yeah. Yeah. You know look I, I think sometimes we look at entrepreneurs not just even women entrepreneurs and we make the conversation like everybody needs to start a company. I actually don't think that's the com- that's the that's the thing, you know. I think for me that was the thing because I'm a business person. Like I wasn't a fashion person. For me the dream was I want to create a business. I'm a um, strategy person. I can't even 
go out to eat without talking to you know my husband about like you know how how do we think that you know how do they keep the margin in this restaurant and how do they bring people in yeah. here it's it's the kind of thing I enjoy talking about so you can tell I'm like a really fun dinner date um but that that's so that's where I'm passionate about I but I feel like for everybody um I think this is sort of the life quest of figuring out what are the things that get you kind of excited you know and so uh you know I, I imagine that looks different for everybody that's so interesting you talk about that because you know I think it's so cool that people have these opportunities and are creating these opportunities for themselves, but it is kind of a lot. I think for some people, it probably puts a lot of pressure. I I think so too. And and so I I am always, you know, personally, I'm very mission oriented around uh, creating opportunity for women and girls. That's something I I always, uh, you know, I'm very sort of focused on that. Um, And I worry about that because the stats around women creating business, I think 30% of businesses are created by women and of those businesses, and I'm gonna mess this up, but it's either way, I'm gonna be very close. I think it's like two percent of them ever make more than a million dollars in the business's entire lifetime. Wow. So, I think what's happening, you know, and there's every problem has it's an onion, right? There's like probably a lot of reasons that that's the case, but. I just always like to be careful about that, which is just because this is my path or this is, you know, somebody else's path, it's, it's really, it's much more of a personal journey than that. It, you know, I love business and I'm passionate about business, but I don't think that there's a, there's a one size fits all of, you know, answering that question you said, which was, how do I have a life that I feel proud of? Um, I think that can look so many ways. So, um, yeah. Yeah. As, <laughs> as being a female CEO, what challenges have you encountered? Yeah, um, I think every CEO, you know, this is one of those things where I think um, most of my challenges, I've been lucky in that I'm in an industry that's pretty progressive. And so most of my challenges have luckily not been isolated to being a woman. I, I haven't faced a lot of that. And, it, and I was in tech before the fashion. So I've been in, like I said, a history of progressive industries. Um, and so, my industries are just, you know, people leading, company leading issues, which is, uh, I have a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, which is, you know, uh, there's so much um, unknown every time we do things. Are we making the right choices? Am I, uh, am I prioritizing things properly? Did I hire the right people? Am I leading them and coaching them in the right way? Um, it's all that kind of stuff. If I can ask, because it's sort of a personal thing that sure. I'm working on, yeah. how do you prioritize? Yeah. Um, are you asking within the business or just on a macro life level? I mean, I'll take either one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so this will sound familiar to you. You're from the tech industry. So what's, what's fun is being somebody who um, is not, was not entrenched in fashion prior to this, I think has, has been a real asset for me. I came from tech. So, you know, I came here with the sort of scrum mentality and I hired a lot of non-fashion people. Actually, all our first hires were non-fashion people. And so right from the get-go, we were working with rules that were not fashion industry rules and it allowed us to unintentionally be rule breakers. Um, and so prioritization has always been uh, you know, core to how we approach everything because we're pulling it up into some sort of a scrum board and we're all deciding based on what our macro priorities are, how what we're doing every day fits into those macro goals. Um, and then how do we uh, pivot when we need to and all this kind of stuff. So I will say 
we're pretty process uh, driven at this point now, certainly. Um, and, and I found that my job is to be very clear on where we're headed, what our vision, vision is, um, what our goals are, both short term and long term. And then that allows to te- the team to somewhat self-manage, I'm air quoting, because obviously we're all working on this together, but they're able to make the right choices oftentimes about what they're working on. So, so within the business, that's that. Um, I don't tend to think of my macro life much different than that. Uh, I always use this example of a um, pie graph, you know, and if I view you can you just like you have short-term goals for a company and long-term goals my life is that too right i have these sort of long-term goals for myself um i want to be you know a mother i want to feel like a whole person so for me that involved accomplishing some of my goals that i want or at least taking a shot at them you know um i'm really into art you know so for me it's like eventually that'll mean having some time for creativity in my life um I dig on my husband, I'd like to have some time with him. You know, this, this is kind of like these, all these, um, we're both very active, so having time for sports and work. So these are all the things that are sort of in my life and friends and all this. But what I've come to kind of do is that exercise of pulling in and out on it. So macro, I'm listing that huge list of things that I want in my life. But right now, the pie graph's got a lot less things in it than that. You know, friends have not fallen off, but they're not as high priority right now because my kids are very young and they're, my business is very young. And you know, when I really started to narrow it down, I had to get very serious about saying no to things and not no forever. Like, I don't have time for art right now. It bums me out, but it's okay. It's not forever, you know? I don't have a lot of time for my friends or entertaining things that I enjoy, you know, this kind of thing. But th- that's okay because I can already see if I take this long-term view on it, um, there's value in focus, and so I'm trying to focus on those, the things that have to be done now, now. So going back to what you said about your first hires. Sure. So how did you begin to set up your team? Yeah. Um, gosh. That was hard because you don't want to hire too many people. So it's always usually very tricky, the getting started piece. Uh, I started by figuring out what I could do. You know, what are the, the, the areas that I feel really confident in? And then once I did those, um, I actually hired another girl. Um, she was kind of a generalist. So between she and I, we were like, okay, we'll take, we can handle production, marketing, all these things. Um, but the thing about generalists, myself included in that, is we're not specialists in anything. And very quickly, you start to see where you need people that are just awesome. Um, creative became immediately apparent for us. So uh, I, production, we had, that, we had someone who was a part-time freelance person that we handed off production to. And then um, we had somebody, uh, and then we hired somebody for social media. And that social media role at that time um, was ended up very quickly becoming almost everything creative. So they were like the one who knew how to take pictures and edit photos. And so they, so it was like, great, you can do this, great, you can do all of this. You <laughs> yeah. know? And so we sort of gave them all that. And, um, and so for a long time, it's sort of like, you know, very small team, basically a production person, a creative person, uh, myself, and, um, and that's kind of how we rolled. And then, um, I think the hires after that, I think paid marketing was one of the next one to come because what we realized is, okay, so you, you need to create product, then you need to find a way to 
communicate that it's good product, which is basically marketing. But then, you know, I had I had thought maybe if you build that they will come. That was not my experience. You know, you have your small team. Yep. So when did you make the decision to really start to scale? Like, how do you start to scale from there? It's funny to hear you ask these questions because I'm still asking myself these questions. And so I'm like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to have these answers. Um, I, I don't know how you know. It's sort of like, I feel a lot of responsibility when I, with this company in that I have a lot of people's livelihood on my shoulders. That's how I feel. So if I was a bigger risk taker, I probably would have hired a lot faster. I'm kind of slow to the hiring game, but I'm always so nervous because I don't want to have to ever lay someone off or feel like I wasn't, you know, like it was my mistake and I hired them before I should and now I, I have, you know, set somebody back or, you know, something like this. So I feel the responsibility deeply. Um, so generally what's happening, I'd say, is we wait until we feel the pain really bad. <laughs> so we'll have other people doing these different roles and we're not hiring somebody new until it becomes so much that people are working too, too much yeah. at it. Or we're having to say no to a lot of really great um, opportunities because we just don't have the bandwidth. I'm usually letting those kind of things drive the necessity around it. Um, I'm keeping an eye on revenue. I'd say, uh, you know, there's a lot of companies, and this is where I say I think this comes down to you run a company a little bit like your own personality type. Um, I try to push myself outside of my comfort zone a lot, but I think some people are building businesses and they're not so worried about profitability or, you know, the revenue numbers balancing with the spend or any of this kind of thing um, because they feel like if we, when we get big enough, this will all sort itself. And that is probably true in a lot of those cases, but I, I'm not comfortable in that zone. So for me, um, it's really, you know, I'm keeping an eye on that and I'd like to, I want to grow in a whatever I deem to be a healthy way that I feel comfortable with. And so it's nuanced, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and by the way, there's always exceptions to every rule, but, um, I have a bunch of friends that are also female entrepreneurs and, and they feel like that oftentimes you're setting your business up not to fail. This is one thing you hear a lot about, uh, females talk about this versus to succeed right wow and i thought that was such an interesting point and way of thinking about it and actually what was so cool was the girl who said this to me um it really resonated with me and i thought i need to think differently and so hearing it wasn't actually a bad thing even though it feels like oh that's not good to hear but i thought yeah i am doing that and i don't want to do that anymore let's make this sucker win you know and i and it it actually really helped me get control over that mindset so i thought it was kind of an interesting way of thinking about it that's really interesting. Yeah. And so, see, I think part of the, <laughs> I think I'm being part of the problem here sure. because I'm in, like, while you're saying that in my head, I'm thinking, this must be a female thing. Yeah. But I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, I don't want to ever think that again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because guys, I think, let's say by and large, they just act as though. They just do. And I will say, I think, you know, look, Generalization is always risky territory, yeah. but, I, but I meet with a lot. I, I invest in a lot of startups and I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs. These are things that I personally have found to be true along these gender lines. I, I find that women are talking to me about how much, rep, literally the conversation I just had to you when you, asked with, when you asked me about growth, 
women will talk to you about revenue and margin and things like that. The guy's going to talk to you more frequently about where he's going and what they're going to accomplish. So it, that orientation has been true in my experience. Um, and, and every pro comes with a con. So it's like, well, I, when I heard that position to me, it made me go, yeah, I'm going to think a little different. Part of me is not mad about that way that I think about it. Cause I'm like, yeah, as long as I am pushing big enough and thinking big enough, being smart about the way I run my business might actually be a good thing too. Not that they're not being smart, but being, being cautious or being thoughtful about my growth in that way isn't, isn't always a bad thing. So, you know. Yeah. And, I, and you know, nothing happens overnight. Right. Even though it might look that way. Isn't that true? You know? Yeah, I know. So many companies, I'll talk to them and be like, wow, how'd you grow so big? And they're like, you know, I've been around 20 like, years. Wow. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I didn't realize that. All right. Yeah. yeah. Again, CEO question. Sure. How does it feel to be the one in charge? You have to make all the yeah. key decisions. Um, I'm, I'm more used to it now. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, there was a lot of transition. It feels like so much responsibility. You know, p- mostly people will come to you and asking you questions, and you'll just be thinking, "I have no idea," but you don't want to say that. Um, I'm lucky; I have a lot of very smart people working with me. And when we talk about values, when I hire people, I'm pretty candid with them about how I want them to think. Um, and entrepreneurship is actually a value uh, at this company. So when you work at Lunia. One of the things I'll tell you is, you are an entrepreneur. This isn't like my sole job to be the entrepreneur here. Entrepreneurship is a way of thinking. It's a being a problem solver. It's it's owning an outcome. Um, and I expect that of everybody on the team. So when people come to me and ask for a budget in their area, and I'll say, well, what do you think? How, what are they, you know, what kind of results should I expect? How much would you spend on it? I'm not saying you have to give me the number, but tell me what you think. I, I hired you to be the expert in the area, so own it. You know, and, and I think um, uh, that is helpful because it, it shares the responsibility, but in a good way, you know? And I think people like it because they feel like they have some sense of autonomy, but, um, but I benefit from it a lot too because I don't have to be alone with every single decision. While we're on the subject, sure. company culture. Yeah. How do you start that? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Gosh, I read this book. I'm trying to remember what the name of the book was. Uh, I mean, we read a lot of books. There's so many books. We read a lot as a team, and they all kind of blend together in my brain. But I remember from this book, they talked about setting values. And they said, don't pick aspirational values. Pick values that are true to who you already are. And that's where I, I think before I started this business, I thought there was a bit of a more of a formula to running a business. And I'm surprised by just how personal the whole experience is. Mm. That this company is built this way largely because of, you know, what I value in people. Those are the people I tend to bring on. Um, And so I'd say from a culture standpoint, we try to bring on people that are fun, that have a positive outlook, that are incredibly hard workers, that um, have that ownership mentality, uh, that are really team players. Um, and that are very much growth-minded. Uh, we're in a space where the rule book is changing. We're in retail. 
I mean, nobody, this is a wild west again. Uh, do you do brick and mortar? Do you sell on Amazon? All these questions everybody's asking themselves. Um, and that means you have to be nimble, you have to be okay to change, you have to ask questions of yourself, of your company, of those around you. Um, and so, yeah, so I look for people that are like that. Um, and I think culture is one of those things that it's, I hate to even say this, but to some extent, it's been defined by the people that didn't fit. You know, um, when you have somebody here and they excel, you're like, awesome, this person's, this person is killing it and they work really well at Lunia. It's sometimes hard to figure out the exact why, but then you bring on people and you're like, ooh, this is just not working. But then you realize, oh, it's not working because they're a little too much like X and Y, which by the way, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them, but means that they're just not a fit for how our environment needs to function. And so we've been, you know, I've been working on this five and a half years now. So at this point, I think we've had enough people here that are great fits that have grown with this company and enough people here who weren't a perfect fit for the company that it's, it's enabled us to kind of refine that a little bit. What is one of your favorite books for um, this kind of subject? It, uh, we just read, so this isn't on leadership, but we did just read Insanely Simple as a team. And uh, I really like that book. Um, it's a sort of Steve Jobs oriented book um, about how he approached, thought about marketing. So it's kind of like the, the gospel on, on Apple is the gospel on marketing in a lot of ways. Uh, but, but I found that a lot of the truths from that book are things that we all find ourselves drawing upon regularly. And we read a lot of books as a team, and so that is one that we come back to. And I think that um, it's much harder to be simple, you know? I think that the more you're in this, you know, sometimes I try to tell people why, uh, or historically I try to tell them why Lunia is special. It'd be a laundry list. You won't remember any of that, you know, and you'd realize, wow, over time, I've been able to get that message much more concise, but it took time. That was actually much harder than the long novel that I would have given you originally. So I very much like that book. Um, and then for people that are starting a company, um, I like the, they have this thing called the hedgehog principle from um, good to great. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't love mo good to great across the board, but the hedgehog principle from good to great, where it talks about the three things that you need to start a good company. I totally believe in that. I think that most companies that fail, we can point to one of the circles where they were lacking. Um, most people that come and pitch deals to me, uh, it's you know if it's if I'm passing on it, there's usually because there's a circle lacking. And I lacked before I read that book. I, I lacked an articulate way to describe what the problem was and that book just made it very simple and so often now I find myself just pointing people to that. So and so basically I'll give you the, 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 the three circles just since I'm throwing it out there and I don't want to create the intrigue without people knowing what it is, but it's um, one of them is passion. That feels obvious, right? But don't get into something you're not passionate. It's going to be hard and you'll need to make sure you're passionate enough to get yourself out of bed every day. Um, the, the second one is, uh, and he doesn't phrase it exactly this way, this is sort of my summarized version, but defensibility, like what is it that you do that other people can't do? And the last one is business model. Um, and this is basically making sure there's an economic uh, story here. Is this business gonna make money? Does the business model fit the product and the consumer strategy? Making sure there's that behind it. Cause I'll often get people that'll come to me and maybe they've got the passion piece and it's like well if it's just the passion that's called a hobby you know if you want to get the other pieces then you have a business so i just love it i feel like it's so clear 
am jealous of people that have a partner when they launch because you have this built-in support system and person you can talk to uh, that you can be incredibly honest with, hopefully, right? Um, and so at the beginning, I'd always be like, man, I just wish I had a partner. Uh, now it's mature enough and I have enough leaders here and enough people I can talk to. So you didn't start with a partner. I have no partner. I still have no partner. No partner. No partner. Yeah. Which I think if, and you know, my feeling on that is partners are the best at the beginning. And then you hear a lot of partner issues that people have. Um, and I think that tends to always happen later. So I feel like I made it through the beginning without one. And so, you know, it was, uh, and, and here I am, it feels a lot easier these days. Cause I, like I said, there's, I'm not alone in a room with, you know, nobody on my team anymore. I mean, was that intentional? That I didn't have a partner? Yeah. It just, I didn't find, no, it wasn't intentional. I didn't say I didn't want a partner. It's just that finding a, par- a partner is like a spouse, you know? It's, it's like, you know, finding that magic chemistry and then also to find someone that happens to have complementary skill sets to you and wants the exact same things that you want. It was just that that didn't happen at the same time as the business happened. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense. By far, in my experience, the hardest part of starting, of, of, of having a business is the beginning part, the part where you're alone in a room trying to feel like you're making progress. Um, and it's like you're pushing this super heavy ball up a hill by yourself, you know? And um, you'd always, it's like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back every day. And that's kind of like an emotionally grueling process. Uh, whereas once you get going, the ball is rolling and the more people, I have a lot of people in the other room pushing that ball. So it's just feels a lot better now, you know? Yeah. 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 So I'm like, I'm like picturing you, you got samples, oh. you have to run to get the sewing is off. Just you make know sure to I mean? picture me like super pregnant. Cause I was <laughs> the whole time. Remember <laughs> this is like, so it was not a pretty picture of the whole thing. I was lucky though. Like I said, I hired a, um, a girl early on who, um, she was, she just was in it, you know, and, and whatever needed to be done, she would help. And neither of us knew what we were doing. So we were both learning at the same time. And, uh, I was just so lucky. I feel like I've been lucky the whole way. I've had a different team members or different people that were supportive, that believed in the vision, that, that view this as theirs, you know, and, yeah. and uh, that's the gift. Well, thank you so much thank for you. taking this time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been super fun. Yeah, Yay. great. Thank you uh, for having me. I hope you're inspired by Ashley's and Lunia's story. Seriously, I bought a sleepwear set as soon as we wrapped the interview. <laughs> If you're in LA, be sure to stop by Lunia's HQ and store in Santa Monica, or you can snag your own PJs at lunia.co, that's L-U-N-Y-A, or check out their Instagram at lunia.co. Thanks for tuning in to LA Woman. Please do us a solid and subscribe and rate on iTunes. And we're also at lawomanpodcast.com and at lawomanpodcast on Instagram. Let's keep inspiring each other as LA women and as women everywhere. One more thing. This podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Julie Roth. Our music was composed by Jazar.